48K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Sean Kennedy. The headlines. 14 pro-democracy lawmakers say they've decided to stay on in LegCo after elections were postponed. The government says most social distancing rules will be extended for another week. And an economist warns the pandemic is likely to slice more than 11% off the SAR's GDP for 2020. After an inconclusive public opinion poll, 14 pro-democracy lawmakers plan to stay on in LegCo after elections were postponed. The poll, which was commissioned by the Democratic Party, surveyed some 2,500 people last week, of which 730 said they were supporters. Around 47% of respondents said they should stay and around 46% said they should leave. Legislators Chu Hoi Dick and Ray Chan have already declined to stay on and Tanya Chan from the Civic Party is leaving for personal reasons. LegCo President Andrew Leung welcomed the pan-democratic camp's decision, saying there's a lot of livelihood and economic matters that LegCo needs to deal with in the coming year. I respect their decision and I have every confidence that most of them will stay and continue their LegCo work. The counterfront Claudia Mo is one of those who's staying on. Of course, the backing, uh, when it comes to the uh, margin, it's hardly conspicuous. But then I've personally decided to stay on. And I realise we didn't have any overwhelming uh, support to stay on. We need to work double hard. And we will do just that. We will take what's left and fight. The chief executive, Carrie Lam, says most social distancing regulations will be extended by another week from Thursday. These include allowing no more than four people per table in restaurants and two in bars. Mrs Lam said with one local coronavirus case this week that had no known source of infection, it indicates a silent transmission in the community. Speaking to reporters ahead of the ex- weekly Exco meeting, Mrs Lam also said her government was in the final stages of agreeing with Macau and the mainland about allowing Hong Kong people living in those areas to return to the SAR without needing to do quarantine. Whether uh, this needs um, a mutual agreement with the Guangdong authorities, whether there will be a quota and how many control points we will allow this arrangement. Because at the moment, we only have the Hong Kong Zuhai Macau Bridge and the Sunzhen Bay uh, control point. All this will be sorted out in our internal discussions. Travel agents say residents should be allowed to go to the mainland and Macau using a health code as long as daily new coronavirus cases are in single digits. Perry Yu from the Hong Kong Travel Agents Relief Alliance told an RTHK program that trade representatives think there should be a daily quota of around 10,000 people who pay $200 each for a health code certifying they're free of the virus. He said it's understood the quota for the quarantine-free travel should be held for those who need the code for school work, school, sorry, school work and family visits before gradually easing it for tourism. A top microbiologist has written to the authorities to suggest minimal sharing of equipment in hospitals such as blood pressure gauges. Yun Kwok Yung from the University of Hong Kong was speaking on a radio program about reducing the transmission of COVID-19. He also stressed that people weren't following social distancing rules in Lang Kwai Fong during the weekend, warning that it was dangerous. He reiterated that many activities could resume if there were targeted measures in high-risk places, such as requiring mask wearing at all times indoors and ensuring good ventilation. An expert has estimated that Hong Kong is losing more than 11% of its gross domestic product for the whole year because of the pandemic. 
Professor Lawrence Lau from the Chinese University, a former chairman of the Hong Kong arm of the Sovereign Wealth Fund China Investment Corporation, also estimated that last year's protests cost the SAR 3.7% in GDP. But he expressed hopes that the city could return to growth early next year if the local outbreak is under control, there's no more unrest and the government takes suitable action to stimulate the economy. We cannot rely on the private sector to increase investment or the private sector to increase consumption in a significant enough way. Take concrete fiscal measures. And I think we already did with the cash relief payments. We have three waves, but I think that cannot last forever. (laughs) It's not sustainable. So now is the time to consider public investment or public expenditure. And so uh, that is basically to change the expectation. You need to change expectations. So people have a good feeling about the future, so they will invest and they will consume. The District Court has withdrawn a rioting charge against a social worker over a protest in Wan Chai last year for lack of prima facie evidence. Chen Hong Sao, a council member of the Social Workers General Union, is free to go, but the court said seven other defendants charged with rioting have a case to answer after the prosecution has finished providing all the evidence. A 150-metre-long military dock on the central waterfront has officially been handed over to the Hong Kong garrison, which means the garrison law will apply on the site. During a speech at the handover ceremony, Chief Executive Carrie Lam said that even though the dock has strong military and defence purposes, the garrison has agreed to consider opening up non-restricted areas to the public on a discretionary basis. Internationally, and the number of people around the world who have died from the coronavirus since the disease first emerged has just passed a million. Figures from Johns Hopkins University in the United States show the US, Brazil and India account for nearly half of the total. Some experts believe the real number could be significantly higher as testing rates in many countries remain low, meaning deaths related to COVID-19 aren't properly recorded. Here's the BBC's Naomi Grimley. COVID-19 continues to wreak havoc around the globe, with new hotspots still emerging. Argentina, Colombia and Peru are recording thousands of new cases every day, along with some of the highest numbers of deaths per capita in the world. In India, infections have now passed 6 million, and the death toll is currently over 1,000 every day. The US government has warned Americans that coronavirus cases will in the country will increase in the days ahead, just weeks before the presidential election. President Trump, who's coming under in renewed pressure over his handling of the pandemic, says millions of new tests will be made available. 50 million tests will go to protect the most vulnerable communities, which we've always promised to do, including 18 million for nursing homes, 15 million for assisted living facilities, 10 million for home health and hospice uh, care, hospice care agencies, and nearly one million for historically black colleges and universities and also tribal nation colleges. The Vice President, Mike Pence, said virus numbers would increase but blamed this partly on increased testing. Thousands of people in Northern California have fled wildfires that quadrupled in size overnight, fanned by strong winds. Flames raging through the state's wine country have now scorched more than 40 square kilometres, burning down famous vineyards and threatening communities still recovering from wildfires three years ago. Donald Trump has firmly defended his handling of his tax affairs after reports that he paid no federal income tax for 10 years because of extensive business losses. The president said he was entitled to account for losses in his tax bill, while also claiming he had extraordinary assets and very little debt. 
A leading Democrat in Congress, Nancy Pelosi, said the president's tax records raised national security issues about who he's indebted to. The BBC's Anthony Zerka in Washington says it's a major distraction. It gets him off message that he's going to have to talk about his taxes, answer questions about his taxes, when he would much rather talk about Joe Biden and different campaign issues. Beyond that, I think it will hurt him with the few people who may still be undecided. The Joe Biden campaign is leaning into this, putting up a website where people can compare how much they pay in taxes to how much Donald Trump paid in taxes. So it's going to be a challenge for him to shift the conversation again from this. A former U.S. police officer involved in the fatal shooting of a black woman, Breonna Taylor, has pleaded not guilty to wanton endangerment. Brett Hankerson is charged with recklessly firing shots into neighbouring apartments during a raid on Breonna Taylor's home in Louisville, but not with her killing. The decision not to prosecute any police officers for her death prompted anti-racism protests across the U.S. A senior Chinese executive has returned to court in Canada to continue her fight against extradition to the United States. Meng Wanzhou, who works for the Chinese telecom firm Huawei, is accused of breaking U.S. sanctions on Iran. Her case has soured relations between China and Canada. Here's the BBC's Gordon Carrera. Meng Wanzhou was detained during a stopover in Canada nearly two years ago at the request of U.S. authorities. They want her to stand trial on fraud charges, alleging she misled the bank HSBC, leading it to risk breaking US sanctions on Iran. But Ms Meng has been fighting a complex legal battle on multiple fronts, challenging the evidence the US has brought, as well as her treatment when arrested and claiming political considerations have tainted the process. Those involved say the legal process could drag on for five, even ten years. A Russian cleaner who became a national star by trouncing her boss in the village election says her first priority is to build a swimming pool for children. Here's the BBC's Mike Sanders. It's not often Russia's national spotlight shines on Povelikino, population 400. It's a collection of hamlets, a nine-hour drive northeast of Moscow. Marina Udgotskaya only agreed to stand for election there as a favour to her boss, the soon-to-be former council leader, who's from President Putin's United Russia party. Some say she won simply because the party is so unpopular. Others say the neglect that spawns mistrust of the establishment in the rural areas goes back much further and deeper. The World Bank is warning developing countries in East Asia and the Pacific regions are likely to see poverty rise for the first time in 20 years because of the pandemic. It says growth in the region will contract by 3.5% this year, while China will grow by 2%. Here's the BBC's Andrew Walker. The World Bank's economists say the pandemic has delivered a triple shock to East Asia and the Pacific. The health impact, the containment measures and the global recession it has caused. The developing countries of the region are likely to experience some growth this year, but it's largely due to China and Vietnam. Most other economies are shrinking in 2020, according to the report, by more than 20% in the case of Fiji. Across the region, the bank says 5 million people will be pushed back into poverty. It says another 33 million would have escaped poverty this year had it not been for the pandemic. And 36 giant Galapagos tortoises have been released on San Cristobal Island off the coast of Ecuador as part of a captive breeding programme. The authorities from the Galapagos National Park said they were between six and eight years old. Finance now, and the US dollar is trading at 105.46 yen. The euro is one US dollar and 16 cents. The pound is worth nine Hong Kong dollars and 96 cents. A short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 23,438, 59 points down on the previous close, and turnover stands at $45 billion. And now with the sports, is Adam Chung.
The NHL's Tampa Bay Lightning are the first major North American sports team to be crowned champions in the pandemic. They defeated the Dallas Stars to lift the Stanley Cup as ice hockey's best team for the second time in franchise history. It concludes two months of extraordinary competition with teams kept inside bubble rinks away from the public to prevent players and staff from catching COVID-19. In total, the NHL played 130 games in a bubble. 25 of them went into overtime before the Stanley Cup was finally awarded at Rogers Place in Edmonton with no fans in attendance. Tampa sealed the title with a 2-0 win in Game 6 with goals from Braden Point and Blake Coleman. Victor Hetman, who led all Tampa defensemen with 22 points, won the Conn Smythe Trophy for most valuable player in the playoffs. Next to tennis, Serena Williams started her bid for a 24th Grand Slam singles title with a first-round victory at the French Open. She defeated fellow American Christy Ahn, 7-6, 6-love. I mean, I love the clay, and I started playing like, like it, to be honest. So opening the court and moving and sliding, and um, I do think her level dropped a little bit in the beginning of the first set, and I took advantage of that. And uh, I think her level was so high in the first set that um, I just needed to lift my level more than what I did. Rafael Nadal had an easy straight sets win over Igor Gerasimov of Belarus. Also through to the second round is the newly crowned U.S. Open champion Dominic Thiem. He defeated Marin Cilic in straight sets. World number one Novak Djokovic starts his campaign later today against Michael Eimer of Sweden. Now to football in the English Premier League, where the champions Liverpool maintain their perfect start to the season with a come-from-behind 3-1 victory over Arsenal. The BBC's John Murray has more from Anfield. This makes it a strong and impressive start to the defence of their title by Liverpool, particularly when Arsenal, hitherto unbeaten this season, took a first-half lead with a rather scruffy goal by Alexandra Lacazette. Within 147 seconds, though, Liverpool were level, Sadio Mane scoring in the six-yard box. By half-time, they were ahead. Left-back Andy Robertson with the goal from right-back Alexander-Arnold's deflected cross. Home goalkeeper Allison made an important second-half save from Lacazette to preserve the lead and a goal on his home debut from substitute Diogo Jota, although there was a suggestion of handball, sealed this deserved victory for Liverpool. In the other Premier League game, Aston Villa were 3-0 winners at newly promoted Fulham. Villa have gone unbeaten in eight games, stretching back to last season. And that's your look at sports. And to end the news, the top stories once again. 14 pro-democracy lawmakers say they've decided to stay on Allegro. And the government says most social distancing rules will be extended for another week. The news from RTHK.
Welcome to the 123 Show with me, Noreen Mir, on this Tuesday afternoon. Tuesday the 29th of September is today's date. Many thanks to Phil for the morning brew, and also many thanks to Sadia Osmani sitting in for me yesterday. Woohoo! I think kids are finally back at school. I think today is the final phase of uh, even the little kiddies are going back. I know certainly for my daughter in K1. I don't know how parents are feeling. Maybe relief? But we're not talking about this on the program. We're actually talking about something completely different, but also education related. We're talking about education inequality this afternoon and also the effects of a, of a family's socioeconomic background and how might that affect a student's learning outcome. Um, you know, what are the effects if you come from a poorer family? What effects will that have? Or if you come from a richer family, what effects will that have? Or will it have 